When I'm low in spirit, I cry, Lord, lift me up. I want to go higher with Thee. But the Lord knows I can't live on a mountain. So He picked out a valley for me. In all seriousness, I want to talk to you about a subject today that is life and death. Important. Um, take your Bible, so Luke chapter 19. I'm going to go to a couple places. I'll read them quickly. Um, I'm going to go to two parables, but and then I place in 2 Kings chapter 2. But uh, don't be lost in the fray of it all, because uh, it's not so important that you find these places and read them. They're there. I do that for your sake, that you're, you think I'm... I'm not making this stuff up. I give you the references and things, but really what I want you to get is, is uh, the application uh, about these references. And I'll try to give you a little background. If you're not familiar with the Bible, I apologize a little ahead of time. Um, my job as a pastor is to feed God's people. That's my job. And uh, he said three times to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And that's what I'm going to do. And sometimes in doing that, you know nothing about the Bible here today, maybe over your head a little bit. Makes sense, right? And so, but don't be discouraged by that. Don't be discouraged. Everybody has to start out with zero and work up on learning. And so you start out without knowing the books of the Bible. You eventually learn the books of the Bible. You eventually learn what the contents of those books are. Uh, you, I mean, it just grows. It's part of our growing. So forgive me if I go over your head, if I don't explain it enough, but I must move on because these people here are not going to give me more than about 30 minutes of their attention, whether I like it or not. And so I'm going to start in Luke chapter 19, verse 20 through 27, read quickly. And uh, is the, the title of the message I've struggled with a little bit, but I came up with, Is God Too Radical for You? Is God Too Radical for You? Uh, and it, and it, in the parable of the pounds found in Luke, chapter 19, uh, you have G you have a parable of a landowner, and he gives three men. He gives one man ten pounds, one man five, one man one. He says, uh, go and, uh, you know, basically uh, make a profit. Go, go take what I gave you and, and, and gain from it. And so he calls him back after he's gone a while. And, and the one guy, uh, every pound produced ten. The other guy, every pound produced five. But the one guy, every pound, he just gave back the pounds that Jesus, that, that uh, the landowner gave him. He just gave back the pound. And we, we pick up there. And, and it said another came in verse 20. And, and the Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For, and, and I want you to circle verse 21. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he said unto him, Out of thine own mouth I will judge thee, thou wicked servant. Well, right away you know things aren't going well. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping what I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, and that my coming I might have required mine own with usury or gain. And in verse 24, and he, and he said unto him that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that have ten pounds. 
And they said unto him, Lord, that he had ten pounds. And he said unto him, that unto every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. And I preached on that a week or so ago. But verse 27, interesting is where I want you to concentrate, verse uh, 21, 27. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. That's pretty radical. That's pretty radical. I mean, and even in our day and age, uh, that'd be pretty radical. Bring my enemies. Bring them before me and slay them before me. Now, there's no good way to be slain, if you know what I'm saying. There's no pretty way. Death is not pretty. Death isn't pretty. Death is ugly. Death is messy. Death, death is smelly. And God's made it that way. And he says, bring it before me. Now that, the non-believer, every, every person develops their own view of God. Every person, the non-believer especially, bases their view of who God is oftentimes on their own image and their own likeness. In other words, they base who God is on what they've been taught and the atmosphere they've been raised in, the ideals that they've been told are right and wrong. Their, their view of God, the non-believer now, his view of God has to be wrong. It has to be wrong. Why? Because it's without the guidance of the Word of God. They haven't gone to the Bible. The Bible is God's mind. It's the mind of Christ. It is who God is. You want to know who God is, you've got to go to Genesis and read through the book of Revelation. And you just have to do that. And one reading is not going to cut it. You've got to go through and do it again, 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 again. And as you soak that word into your mind, just like you'd study chemistry, just like you'd study biology, just like you'd study anatomy or anything, you have to run that thing through your mind a few times. Unless you're extremely gifted with a photographic memory, which not too many people are. Their opinion of God has to be wrong because it's, it's secondly without the guidance of the Holy Spirit. How can their opinion be right without the knowledge of the Word of God and without the guidance of God who wrote it, which is the Holy Spirit? It has to be wrong because it's based with, without the Word of God and without the Holy Spirit. It is based on their human reasonings. It is based on their understandings, their human learning, which by its very nature is anti-God and corrupt. Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6 says it this way, but we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags and we do all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Filthy rags means putrefied rags, putrefied, something really repulsive. Truth, by its very nature, is singular, and God is singular. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. He's manifested to us by the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But truth is singular. Jesus said, I am the truth. Unequivocally, without a doubt, Jesus Christ 
as they call him, of Nazareth, claimed to be truth. Embodiment of truth. Walking truth. The disciples says, our hands have handled the word of life. They understood who he was. Yeah, and you, by the way, if you're ever to see God on good terms, and you will see God, all of you, but if you're ever to see him on good terms, you're going to have to understand what truth is and who truth is. Um, it was Jesus' mission to give truth to the world. And so we see there in John 18, 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou the king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. That means I am. To this end was I born, and for this cause I came into the world. And here's the key phrase. That I should bear witness unto the truth. And here's a stunner. Everyone that is of the truth hear my voice. If you find and receive Jesus Christ, you have found the truth. It is a universal constant. It is ultimate and absolute. It is the law of laws. The barometer of everything else is set on truth. Truth is pure, unchanging, real, vital, powerful, overcoming. Ultimately, truth is all that will ever be left. When this whole thing settles out, there will only be truth left. So the question I, 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 uh, I bring to you in the statement maybe also is you better find truth before you're out of this life. So what does that have to do with anything you may ask, preacher? And I appreciate you asking that question. The man in our text that took his pound and hid it in the ground and when the master called for an accounting, said, uh, he, he thought he had a fairly good answer. He said, you know, I know you're an austere man. You lay down, you don't, you know, where you, and you gain. He says, I'll tell you what, I'll just give you back what you gave me. He didn't get a real good answer, did he? It, it stunned him. The man in our text missed it. He missed the opportunity the other two men gained because he had a mistaken view of God. What I'm talking about this morning is to try to help you not miss God. I don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know how long you're going to live. And God's not going to probably tell you how long you're going to live. Death is probably going to come fairly as a surprise. Now some of you are in your 90s. Man, you shouldn't be surprised with anything. But this man... In the parable of the pounds, lost everything. He lost everything. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to someday face God after death that made me. I know he made me. He made everything he does. I don't want to face him and, 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 and blah, 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 stutter like that. Luke chapter 19, 21, he says, he says, accused God of being an austere man. And I say accused God because that's what it is. His view of God ruined him. And if you have the wrong view of God, it will ruin you. you. You'll get bitter. You'll get angry. I've met hundreds and hundreds of people that are angry. And if not angry, they're simply disappointed in God. 
If there was a good, yesterday, yesterday, door to door, if there was a good God, there would not be child rape. I said, have you read the book of Genesis? He, well, he said, well, I, I've read it. Well, I'm thinking, well, you may have read it, but you don't remember it. You remember the, somebody called Satan? That's why there's child rape. You, ever, you remember the thing called sin? That's why there's child rape. But he was pointing his little finger at God. Similar to what Satan did in the garden when he accused God not being good. The line is the same. All these years down the road, I go door to door, knock on the guy, and he gives me the same line. The devil, where, I wonder where he got that. From his father, the lusts of your father, you'll do. You'll say his lines. You'll use his stuff. Why? Bible says he's blinded you. He's blinded you. He's trying to keep you from seeing the truth. Because if you see the truth, you'll forsake him and come to Jesus and ask him to regenerate you and give you a new heart, a new mind, a new life. New life in Christ. Oh, there I go. The word austere means to be overly severe, overly strict. It is not a compliment. It is an accusation against God. But the Bible says that God is known for his mercy, not for being over strict. Luke chapter 6, verse 35, 36, he says, Beloved ye, your enemies, do good and lend, hoping nothing again. Your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. Listen to what it says. These are Jesus' words. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful as your Father also in heaven is merciful. So evidently this man, when he says, thou art an austere man, basically overly strict, and you're collecting where you really didn't make any, and you really shouldn't do this, and you should, you should take all the money from all the rich and distribute to the poor. Listen, Bernie Sanders' line is an old line. You say, preacher, I wouldn't get political. Well, when you get to be a preacher, don't. Part of why America's in sad shape of sins is because preachers haven't. But we're not going to be silent anymore. Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. And the Lord passed by before Moses. You remember that? When Moses said, show me your glory. You people know the Bible? What happened? The Lord passed by. What was said? It was said, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Do you know over 41 times in the Bible it proclaims God is His mercy, is enduring forever, that He's a God knowing His characteristic is not over severity, His characteristic is mercy. And that's the truth. Think anything else you want to think, it's wrong. And you have been misguided. By the way, is it a new thought to you that you could be wrong? If it is, you need to get right. Hey, you know, there's something there. If you've never thought you're wrong, you need to get right. This man's wrong view of God, based on wrong information, taught to him in the wrong places, probably some of the universities of their day, uh, by all the wrong people, 
uh, they were, where was they getting, where was he getting his information about God? Why, uh, how is it that you think you know God, I, if I like to talk to this guy? Uh, I would like to say, well, where's your credible source? I have people tell me who God is all the time. They have no source for it. I'll say, okay, you believe God's a certain way, they'll say what it is. I'll say, just tell me what, where'd you get your information? Where? Think about it, folks. Please, please meditate on it. Where do you get your information? Well, here's, uh, here's my most common answer that I get from that. I just know. What do you mean you just know? Wow. He thought God, this guy thought God in his parable was cruel, tight, and was litter of the law, reaping where he did not sow. And they accused God of the horrible crime of capitalism. Isn't that what he did? Making a profit on other men's work. <gasps> oh, the horror of making a profit. Reaping where thou hast not sown. Well, it sounds like a Bernie Sanders voter. Sounds like a progressive socialist. It's, or maybe it sounds like an it's not fair millennial. No, life's not fair. Let me wise you up. Life's not fair. Let me also wise you up. You took all the money and distributed it to everybody equally. In 10 years, it'd be back to the rich people. Because there's a reason why they're rich. They've been given special gifts from God. I haven't, but, but they have. Another example of the wrong view of God we find from the wage and hour board. That's found in Matthew chapter 20, verse uh, 10 through 15, if you want to take your Bible. This is a wage and hour board. There's these bunch of folks that the landowner came and he hired them to work. They needed work. They wanted to work. Listen, without work, you can't support your family. you got to have work. If you don't work, you don't eat. If you don't work and you get money, somebody gives it to you, you got a horrible self-image, you think you're a bum and you should. Unless you can't work. If you can't work, we should help you. Make sure you don't starve. It's absolutely benevolence. But if you can work, you should work because it's the best thing for you. Work is a gift from God, not a punishment from God. There was work before the fall. Tend the garden. That was hard work. And so work's not a punishment, though some, I've, I've met some folks who feel like it is. I had a guy tell me one time, I'm not cut out for work. There have been a whole lot of days I get up for work. I ain't cut out for it either, but I go. So you got this guy, he hires these servants. Some of them work a long 11-hour day. They work hard in the sun, the heat of the day. Others he hires an hour before quitting. They work, to, they work and he came, brings them up and lines them up and starts paying them. He pays the guy that works one hour the same money he paid the guy that worked 11 hours. And here's where we pick this up in verse 10. When the first came, they supposed that they should receive more. That's the guy that worked 11 hours. They likewise received every man a penny or a day's wages. And when they had received it, they murmured against the goodman of the house, the owner, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered uh, one of them, and he said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny or a day's wages? Take that is thine and go thy way, and I will give it unto this last, even as unto thee. 
And this is the statement in verse 15. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with what is mine? And they said, we're going to the wage and hour board against you. That's not in the actual Greek. And the other one said, well, I'm going to Morgan and Morgan. He said, is thy eye evil because I'm good? Do you know there's many that are mad at God for stuff like this? They were not dealt a good hand in life. Boy, if I heard that a lot. I just, God just didn't deal me a good hand. He didn't make me pretty. He didn't make me, well, if you're not pretty, learn to cook. Remember, four Sundays, four Sundays. Don't judge me. Don't judge me too hard. Now, don't, don't be guilty of the same thing. Well, they believe God's unfair. He does not treat people right. He's not just in his dealings. Is that true? Is that true? But their view of God really is wrong. And their conclusions are wrong. And trust me, it will cost them everything. Here's a statement I want you to remember. You cannot be bitter at someone and love them at the same time. It's like oil and water, brother. Shake it up, it always separates. Now, this is good marriage counseling, and it's for free. If you're married, whatever you got to do, you can't get bitter at your mate. Because if you, I don't care what that mate did. If whatever that mate did, don't get bitter at that mate, because if you get bitter at that mate, your marriage is over. As they say, everything but the shout. Because you cannot love somebody and be bitter at them. Those two don't mix. I'm very careful to make sure my wife is not, does not get bitter at me. And I have given her a whole array of things <clears throat> to not get bitter at. I haven't always been the sweet guy I am. I've been working on my staff lately. I'm coming, I'm getting old, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm coming to the end of my life and someday I die and these, my staff is younger than I am, they're probably going to come to my funeral and I've been working on When you say something at my funeral, I want you to say, he was the sweetest guy I ever knew. <laughs> so far, they're not convinced. Listen to me. You need an accurate view of who God is. Because if you don't get an accurate view, if you get the devil's view, if you get mankind's view of God, you're going to be mad at God. You're going to eventually even hate God. You won't want to be around God. You won't want to go to church where his, where his word is preached. You won't want to read his book. You won't want to say anything about him. In fact, you'll take up a position against God. Has it not happened? But these people, both of these people, that guy, whether the wages the guy receiving uh, for 11 hours, one day's wages, the guy received for one hour, he got bitter at God. He got bitter at the landowner, the authority. And basically Jesus is telling as a parable, that's an that's a earthly illustration to, uh, to teach a heavenly truth. And so he's trying to tell them, 
don't judge God. Don't you don't let me say let me give you the third example. Let me line, let me wind this up. Second Kings chapter 2, verse 23 and 24. 2 Kings chapter 2, 23, 24. It's about Elisha. You know, there was Elijah and then his protege, Elisha. You remember Elisha asked for twice of the manifestation of God in his life than Elijah did. Elijah did seven miracles, and I think Elisha did 14 miracles. God did exactly double. Elisha just got back from that, and he, and he said he went from thence in verse 23, 2 Kings. By the way, this is simply the most misunderstood, the most hated verse in the whole Bible by the liberals. That's why you need to go to it and mark it. I've had liberals take me to this passage, quote this passage, refer to this passage when they begin to tell me God's not good. And he went up from thence, that is Elisha, unto Bethel. And as he was going up on the way, there came forth little children. Little children. You know, they could talk. So what would that be? Three, four, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, little children. Out of the city, and they mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head. Now all you bald men, are, this passage is for you. Go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. Nah, 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 nah. And he turned back and looked on them and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Now you understand, Elisha had no power to do anything against these kids. I want you to get this before I go further. He had no power to do anything against these kids. He just simply cursed them for saying, for disrespecting the man of God. And what God did was what's next. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear 42 children of them. Now, my wife and I took a trip on the Alaska Highway, did every mile of it. And let me tell you, we get up 4 in the morning, it was light. And we got on the road, and we saw more grizzlies with cubs and more brown bears with cubs and more black bears with cubs right along the road looking for roadkill. Early in the morning, look for roadkill. If you want to see a game, you got to get up early. And there were wolves also, black wolves. You got blue eyes. Blue ones are the prettiest blue eyes. I've seen some women with some blue eyes I felt was very similar to that. But And uh, wolves, black wolves, uh, other color wolf, whatever he is, gray. They're also looking for roadkill. You can get within seven, eight feet of them. Now, I wouldn't recommend getting seven, eight feet from a grizzly bear uh, with cubs. But these two girls, these two, these two female grizzlies came out and tear 42 of those old kids. Liberal theologians go absolutely insane on this passage. Similar to what's going on with Trump. I mean, they just go nuts. They flip around. They go crazy. They, they go, I mean, they just do all kinds of stuff. The Bible, if this is, I've had them say to me, if this is the God of the Bible, I will not worship him. I said, you'll be sorry. I've talked to people who reject the whole Bible, God and everything, Jesus Christ, because of this passage and other passages that I've read. And they say to me, my God would never do this to innocent children. I will not worship a God who would do this. Their view of God, it, 
is not consistent with the Word of God, and they get bitter at God, consequently they get separated from God, and consequently will answer for their own sin someday in the great white throne judgment, and incur the very wrath of God on that kind of disobedience. And you don't, nobody, nobody, nobody in the right mind wants that. Nobody in the right mind wants that. No. They're, these people, their own corrupt sense of justice and right and wrong condemns God. Now, you understand to condemn somebody, you've got to be above them. To be a judge of someone, you have to be above them. And so when you judge God, you understand what position you put yourself in. I read this passage, I don't know the background, I don't know the kids, I don't know where they're from, I don't know what they've done, I don't know nothing about it, and I get mad at God because of these two verses, and I reject everything else that God has and offers me because of these, and I reject the Bible, and I reject the whole thing to my loss. Because I don't know all the circumstances. I don't know the motivations of the hearts of those people. I don't know in, any inside information. There's so much information I don't know. But I'm so self-righteous that I make a I put myself as a judge and judge the God of all the earth. Wow, what kind of ego do I have? What kind of pride do I demonstrate? You know, it sounds like the pride of my father. The devil, which fell because of the same thing. Whew. Romans chapter 9, verse 20 says, nay, nay, but old man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to the thing that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? I'll tell you what, I'm not going to judge God. I've just decided a long time ago I'm not going to judge God. If my kid gets killed, uh, if, if my grandkids all die, on, on, uh, California slides into the ocean, I lose my, my, my one grandson, Trent, and, and the whole deal, I'm not going to judge God. If a hurricane comes, wipes my house out, uh, wipes Dr. Krabs house out, and, and wipes his dad's house out, uh, I'm not going to judge God. I'm not going to go around mad at God. I'm going to say, God didn't do it. If he wipes Gilbert's house out, I'll be okay with that. You don't have one. You know, when, when Irma came through, I was, I was envious of those who rented. I got over it. But. Man, I'm telling you what, folks, be careful about. Think about when you start judging God. Think about your thought process. I'm trying to get through the darkness with you today. I'll guarantee you there are people in this auditorium. There are people going to be over the Internet, the singles all over the world. I'll tell you, there'll be people listening to this that are judging God. You're bitter at God. You've made pre something. God didn't deal something. Your mom died early. Or I had a woman come to me and says, I will never, I will never serve God. In fact, you remember who that is, don't you, Doc? I will never serve God because my mother died, and I'm, I'm mad. She told me in, in Dr. Crabb's office, I'm mad at God. <clears throat> at least I liked her honesty. <clears throat> I'm mad at God. I said, oh, that's horrible. It's the only one that can save you. Make sure your view of God is based on facts, not emotions, not family beliefs, not your own even sense of right, not on your parents' teachings, not on your teachers' teachings at college, 
progressivists and all those modern postmodernists over there, but, but on God's word and the truth. Remember Jesus' words in, in John 18, 37, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Jesus came as an embodiment of truth so he could show us who the Father was. He told Philip in the 14th chapter of John, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And don't believe the little whispering in your ear and even your own pride who wants to get bitter at God because you don't understand something. Brother, sister in Christ, there's a lot of things in life I just cannot explain. <clears throat> Can't you give God a little room? Can't you give him a little room to explain himself? Or will you even want an explanation when you get on the other side? I don't think so. Why did my wife die? Why did my kid, why did this happen? Why did I get cancer? Why did this? I got cancer 28 years old. Had it cut out and it spread in four different places in my body and had it radiated after that. Consequently to that, I've got bone disease called cancer, polycythemia vera. Some, it's referred to as that. And then I've got other problems. I had gout for 20, 25 years. I ended up having migraines for 20, 25 years. I'm not mad at God. I'm not mad at God. I'm good with it. In fact, I thanked him for every one of those. You say, are you out of your mind? No, I'm in my mind. I thanked God. Because why? I think he knows what's best for me. I think he knows what's best for me more than I know what's best for me. And if he decided to give me cancer, if he decided to take me home when I was 28 years old, that'd still be what was best for me. How many things like that? We take our little puny fists and our little limited understanding and we go to God, man, you, you did me wrong. You've just cut yourself off from truth. Don't do it. I beg you in Jesus' name. Get on your knees somewhere by yourself and say, God, I've been mad at you about a lot of things. Would you forgive me? I prejudged you. I've become, I'm proud. Say what it is. I'm proud. I'm egotistical. I think I know better than you know. And how about I just let all that go? And I go back to the Bible and start reading who you are. I get in the book of John and start reading who you are. And maybe, maybe God will come to you. And maybe he'll say, here I am. Here I am. Father, help us today to see this. There may be more people in hell someday because of this than immorality, than all of the other 40, some 49 sins in the Bible, all of the rest of them. Uh, there'll be probably more people in hell because of this. Pride. And because of pride we judge. Because of that judgment we separate ourselves from God, our only hope. Lord Jesus, you came to manifest truth. You came to show us the Father. You did in your life. You showed us. And all I saw was grace and mercy. That, the, that you were full of grace and mercy. Oh, you never condoned evil. No, evil cannot be condoned. Evil's vicious and wicked and to blame for all the pain in the world. You were not evil on that. You drove the, the money changers out of the temple with, with the cord and 
kick their tables over because those things were damaging people and hurting people. Father, help us to trust you just enough. Just enough. That we'd be willing to listen to your word. Listen to the Holy Spirit. And be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.